blessing to have you tuning into Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. We speak the unspoken feelings that aren't normally talked about. We offer empathy and turn to God in prayer. All of us especially need emotional and spiritual help in our families, churches, and friendships because it's in these relationships that we're most likely to experience hurtful conflicts. So we're doing a series with lead pastor couple Ken and Susan Baugh on repairing torn hearts and relationships. It's easy to subscribe to Soul Talks using the podcast app on your phone or by going to iTunes. We love having you in our community. Ken, thanks for joining us for another Soul Talks conversation. Really appreciate having you on with us. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate the opportunity to to keep going over the story because it just helps every time I do it. Yeah, the healing process continues. Yeah. Yeah. There's still feelings here that come up and we want to be sensitive to that. Yeah, and to be open to uh, feeling those feelings and not repressing them, denying them, mm-hmm. minimizing them, I think is uh, it's been a learning experience for me, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, friends listening in, we're in a four-week series here on Soul Talks with repairing torn hearts and relationships. And you're probably missing Christy's voice right about now because you're used to hearing Christy and I in conversation. And uh, last week and this week, we have a special treat for you that Ken Baugh, my good friend and the former lead pastor of Coast Hills Community Church in Southern California and currently on staff as a consultant with Saddleback Community Church, helping pastors and uh, leading uh, the Discipleship Institute, helping other uh, church leaders as well as pastors uh, in a new ministry. And we are telling the story of the church conflict that Ken experienced with the Elder Board of Coast Hills a little over two years ago and how that played out in your life and in the church and then a great story of healing and reconciliation that God did. Yeah, as we were talking in our last episode, I was just thinking about the night that they actually told me that they had lost confidence in my leadership and I was Mm. done. Mm. And the surreal dynamic around that walking out of the building, recognizing that this was over, obviously yeah. mm. in denial, in shock about that. But then the process that ensued after that was both agonizing, but healing to the point of today, walking in a sense of freedom that I never dreamed possible back then. Yeah. And so last week we were focusing on your story uh, that we can now see is, is a, a wounded healer story that God was, uh, as we read from Paul in 2 Corinthians 1, that God was working his comfort deep inside of you through those troubles and doing a great work of redemption in you so that you could minister to other pastors and leaders in a, a deeper way than you could have before. That's for sure. Yeah. Now today, as we're in part two of Repairing Torn Hearts and Relationships, that's our series, we're talking about leading with vulnerability and uh, particularly in the context of church leadership, but this relates to, uh, to business, to family, to all kinds of relationships. And so uh, I want to open with some words of Jesus here on leadership. Sometimes we study leadership and even read Christian books on leadership, but we might not study Jesus and what he has to say about it and what he models, and that would be a great loss because the best lessons on leadership are taught and lived by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so we have a great example of that here in Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 42. Uh, the context is that the uh, disciples, uh, James and John in particular, have been arguing about which of them is the greatest and which one gets to sit on the right and the left hand of Jesus. And uh, they've got visions of, of glory with a, a distorted understanding of what the 
coming of the kingdom of God means. They're thinking, uh, go Israel, we're going to be number one. And they're thinking uh, political and military and this kind of thing. And they're not realizing it's about the spiritual reality of the Father's world. And there's a cross at the center of this and some suffering and redemption. They didn't understand the Messiah that way. So uh, later, of course, they do and give us great teachings about that. But at this point, they're, they're in the dark. And so their egos and ambition are flying. And uh, so Jesus gently corrects them. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So those are the words of Jesus on servant leadership. And uh, Ken, my sense is that you have had uh, a real baptism by fire experientially through a lot of pain and conflict, learning to live this out in a deeper way than you ever had before. Yeah, I think the deeper way is really applicable here because... Most pastors that I know would all advocate servant leadership, mm-hmm. and it's easy to espouse. It's really hard to live out, yes. especially in the deeper context, because it requires a degree of humility that, at least for me, I had never quite gotten to before. And that became very evident uh, one morning, a few months after my termination, as the senior pastor, I would often go down to the beach. We don't live too far from there. And in the very early morning, 5 a.m. or earlier, because I just wasn't sleeping well, because I was so stressed. I was so afraid. I was mm-hmm. so, I mean, it was terrified. I was terrified. It was more than fear. And would go down there to just listen to the waves and pray. And didn't always do a great job praying. I just, <laughs> there were times where I did a lot of yelling and angry with God and why is this happening and just all the railing that can tend to happen. And remember this morning in particular, I was sitting there and there was no one else around. I'm sitting on these rocks and I got the distinct impression from the Lord that it was, he wanted me to humble myself and to initiate a reconciliation process with the board of elders. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting there going, really God? Uh, I think you have this wrong. I think they're supposed to initiate that with me because they're the ones that hurt me. And I was still struggling in this mindset of victimized pride, self-righteousness, which that got beaten out of me (laughs) in the days to come, but found myself really angry that God would ask me to do that. And it was very clear that that's what he wanted me to do. And so this idea of leading by example of taking the first step of humbling yourself It's easy to talk about. It's really easy to preach about. It's really hard to live out. Yes. Yeah. And it includes, uh, you know, it's especially hard when it includes saying, I'm sorry. And taking ownership of your own part of it. Yeah. Because you're, you're feeling hurt and angry about the ways you've been wronged. uh, Naturally, we can all relate to that. That's how it always is in a conflict. Anger, you know, we, we like to differentiate uh, righteous and unrighteous anger. But it always feels righteous when you're angry yeah, and you've been wronged. And so, of course, you're working through the hurt and the injustice of what you've experienced, you know. And so to come to a place where the Lord is asking you now to apologize for your part, 
and to take ownership of your stuff, that's that's a, a bitter pill there. It is. And I don't think it's something that you can even come to on your own. And you and I had been meeting quite frequently up to that point. And I remember coming into your office uh, not long after that, pretty angry that God would ask me to do that or invite me to do that, as my wife likes to say. I was being invited into a opportunity. And I think I even said to you in that, in our time together, well, why would he do that? Why, why would I even want to do that? Why? I mean, I can remember just being so angry. It was just this indignation. Mm. And you looked over at me very calmly and you said, do you remember what you said to me? I said, well, Ken, I wonder if you could be Christ's ambassador to them. Yeah. And that absolutely broke me when you said that because mm. it rang so true. And I knew in that moment that that's what this was really all about. You know, I've gained some clarity in how self-absorbed I was in this process and so mindful of my own feelings and situation, not empathizing even with the elders and Mm. the position that they were in. As we talked more, I just came to realize the heart of the gospel is about reconciliation. Yeah. And if I'm unwilling to do that, what does that mean? Mm. This is an opportunity for me to live out of a place of brokenness, to really lead out of a place of brokenness, which I think is where truly effective ministry comes from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just right back there with you in this process. And so just to give a little more context for our listeners. So you were, I mean, how many months, Ken, were we into sort of your process of emotional healing and recovery and formation and counseling and so forth. I mean, that was maybe eight, eight yeah. months in or something. Yeah. I mean, it was so a long time, a lot of hours that we had spent together. And I don't think I've told you this before, but during those earlier months, of course, I would pray for you, not only while I was with you, but other times. And, you know, I could feel the magnitude of this whole thing because of the way that you brought me in with the, the elder meetings. And uh, even before that, you and Susan, and, and we had, had been partners in the, in the Lord and, and friends before that even. So, but I, as I prayed for you, I had this vision that I thought that was where the Lord wanted you to be able to come to. And so I would, would talk to the Lord about that. And I just knew that I, that I couldn't say that. And I didn't want to say that even because I just knew that we needed to just be in the hurt, in the, in the grief, in the loss, in the terror uh, in, in the anger and uh, especially trying to help you verbalize that anger because, you know, you're a very kind, considerate, caring person and quick to kind of put things on yourself. And so to try to help you, you know, feel that. And if we go too quick uh, into, oh, well, you can be Christ's ambassador. I'm just saying that for our listeners right now, because somebody's listening here and you're a pastor or an elder or a leader or, or a spouse or a parent or an adult child, and you're in some conflict situation that's not hasn't been resolved yet, and you're, you're feeling wounded by it, and you're angry by it, and you're like, I don't want to be Christ's ambassador. <laughs> you wouldn't maybe say that publicly, you know, because you love Jesus, and, you know, the Bible says that. But, yeah, it's, it's a hard place to go. So this timing issue, you know, you, you had to be in a place of where you really saturated in empathy and uh, feeling cared for and largely unclogged emotionally with all the backed up stress and frustration and, and discouragement, all, all that was in your body. 
you know, through the, the time of burnout and then the, the, all the, the conflict with the elders and, and then, then being terminated and then just reeling from that. And what am I going to do? My, I've lost my job. I've lost my church. You know, my family's lost its church. I've, I've lost my calling, apparently. What am, who's going to want me? And all, you know, all these emotions, all the stuff it's bringing up from your, your history and your childhood, all those emotions. And so it's like, you know, we're in, a, a, in soul surgery here. And, and it's like, we just need to kind of spend some hours, you know, week after week, just caring for you and, and trusting the Lord in this process. But you were so diligent in your, your process of soul work, you know, with me and, and with others. We're going to have another podcast. We're going to talk about uh, you and Susan and your relationship. And then another one, we're going to talk about the community around you because there's a lot of parts of this story. I and mean, we could go 10 or 20 weeks, yeah. but we're just going to do four now. And I know you got a podcast you're starting, and I hope to get on and help you with that. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll be coming back to this story. But the timing was so, so critical just to give you that space. Yeah, that was the day that I sensed the Lord say, okay, it's time to just drop that and see how that well, goes. The, you know, timing's everything, right? And so your discernment in waiting and being patient in that process was key because it was much better for me to be mad at God than it would be mad at you, <laughs> yeah. right? Because then I just wouldn't come anymore. Yeah. And so just the timing in that was perfect. And it's absolutely what I needed you to tell me. And I didn't have the objectivity to have recognized that for myself. Your, your ability to put that in its right context and frame and reframe that for me, which is something that I think is an, is an essential aspect to this whole process is that you cannot heal alone. Yeah. You, all of us have blind spots that we cannot see unless we have others close to us who are willing to speak the truth in love and, uh, and listen and validate and comfort and encourage and yet exhort and instruct in the appropriate time frame. And you were so skilled at doing that and helpful that it really enabled me to embrace some things that I don't think I would have embraced on my own and gave me the energy, if you will. It was part of the fuel that the Holy Spirit used to create the support structure that actually enabled me to send a text to each of the elders and mm. begin a process of reconciliation. And I remember in the text that I sent each of them, I sent it to them from the beach that morning because uh -huh. I, I was so upset about this with God that I knew that if I left there, that I wouldn't do it. Mm. And I know myself well enough, at least I had a little more self-awareness at that point, that this was a conviction. This was clearly yeah. from God. And so I sent them each an individual text. It was the same text, but individually. And I opened the text with, hey, I'd, I'd, I, was, I said something to the I wish I would have saved it. I said something to the effect that I, I would really like to meet with you. I don't have any agenda except to apologize for my part of this. Mm. Would you be willing to meet with me? Mm. And... Even the ability for me to take ownership in a genuine way, because like you said a few minutes ago, my tendency is to take on too much stuff when something goes wrong. I'll blame myself yeah. and I'll wallow in shame and, you know, it's all my fault, which is ironically a form of pride and egotism because it's all <laughs> about you, right? And yet that opened the door to some really difficult conversations, but was the beginning of a journey that led us ultimately to a reconciliation service. Yeah, so you're leading with vulnerability there as you're sending those text messages uh, and then as you're meeting with each of the elders privately and um, it's really makes an impression on me just getting back into that spot with you there and, and what you were feeling emotionally and the sacredness of your trust in the Lord and listening to him and, and obeying him, you know, just immediately obeying that conviction 
So admire that. And it's helpful, I think, for us to just appreciate that as you're in that point, you're, you're taking courage from the Lord so that you're not just overrun with fear. You know, I love that expression. We take courage, right? You, you maybe didn't feel it, but you, you took it from the Lord. Maybe, maybe you took some from me, from others, but you went forward. And the other thing is your comments about shame are so important here. So you did it with some, even though there's, there's the temptation to shame and you're struggling with this, you're wrestling with shame and feeling guilt, even though you didn't do anything wrong, really. Certainly nothing deserving of termination, you know, in, yeah. in the way we normally think about that. Right. And that was a big part of the struggle for you, right? It was like as if you're wearing a, a scarlet A here and have committed some big scandalous sin. And it was just a matter of exhaustion and, and burnout and leadership issues. And, and then the conflict that emerged that didn't get resolved. And then sort of you feeling like you're taking the fall for all of that. So a lot of temptation to shame in this but you've been working that through in, in your process up to this point. And so now when you meet with those elders, you're taking a hold of the hand of the Lord and your vulnerability, it seems to me, is without fear and shame, at least in a, a defining sense. I mean, you're battling those feelings, but you're able to find something of strength and something of a, an esteem or self-respect or a God loves me, I'm not alone. And then you bring that into now the, these meetings now with the elders and you yeah. say, I'm sorry. And how did you feel? And Yeah. Well, and what really enabled me to get to that point was I was struggling with such a profound sense of failure and that I just wasn't enough. I wasn't a good enough leader. I wasn't a good enough pastor. I wasn't. And that was so paralyzing for me because it's attached to some early wounds in my childhood. So that's kind of been this emerging part of my story. And Without having spent those months with you getting empathy and understanding and a different perspective mm. about what happened, I don't think I would have been equipped to be able to go into the, a situation like that. Now, I was intentional and strategic that I, I did choose the order of my meeting with the elders very intentionally and started with who I thought would be the easiest one first, yeah. and then even allowed myself to hold what I'm going to be doing down the road based upon what God does in this particular situation. Yeah. That's unusual for me because I like to look at, I like to look ahead. Right. Mm. And so to take it a step at a time to be present in the moments and trust the spirit of God to lead me out of that meeting into the next meeting, but to go in open-handed to, to where, okay, Lord, I'm not going to assume there is going to be another meeting with one of the other elders unless you direct me in that way. And of course he did to where we went through each of them individually. And then we had a meeting where you were present with us all together. Mm -hmm. What a beautiful picture you're giving us. You know, as Psalm 119, the word of the Lord is a lamp to our feet and a lamp gives enough light to take one step. And so such wisdom uh, in your leadership can, you started with the easy step. That's the way we get going. Yeah. And once we're going, maybe we can take the next step. You know, each one, you know, taking hold of the hand of Jesus and, and following the Lord until you get to the harder parts. Yeah. Yeah, but I had a support network underneath all of that. Mm -hmm. I had our relationship. I had my relationship with my wife that was exceedingly important and helpful in mm -hmm. this whole thing. And then, as we'll talk about in another episode, a community of people that surrounded us that I would not be where I am today if all of these relationships mm -hmm. had not been in place. They were that essential to this process. Yeah. Wow. Just so thankful to the Lord and how he's worked with you in this and in your process and in your courage to share 
your story with us because I know that people you are listening that uh, there's points at which you're relating with you know a conflict you're dealing with uh, in your life or your family, your church, or a leadership situation. And so you know this whole issue of apologizing and you know and with that as we're talking about here it's not just saying i'm sorry it's it's taking ownership taking responsibility for my part in the conflict it's it's having empathy for the other person that i'm in conflict with and and getting to a place where i can say with uh, david in psalm 23 you know my cup overflows or as we talked about in the last uh, podcast um, on how just as the, the sufferings of Christ and, and sorrows and troubles come into our life, so also the comfort does. And so when we can get into that overflow that you're showing us now and you, through your story, Ken, that you had experienced now empathy and compassion and, and grace and another perspective. And, and so you were getting a, a, new, a new grounding for your life. And then there was some enough fullness inside that you could begin to ask the question, well, I wonder how it feels for the elders, you know, whereas in the beginning, when you're reeling, you just, you can't go there. Yeah. Well, and I, I'll just be honest. I didn't care. Yeah. I was in such a panic state at that point. And I don't think I really believed that it was going to, well, I know I didn't, I didn't believe that it was going to end in a termination. I remember after one of the meetings, we were at our house, you came over and you were communicating to me a reality of the gravity of the situation that I was definitely not getting. And I remember you said some things to me and I just kind of looked at you and was like, Bill, that's not going to happen. You know, I was so stuck in my own yeah. perspective of all of this and the worst case scenario played out, which I never thought it would. Yeah. You wanted it to work. We all did, you know, and uh, this was your church and your family and your identity and your call. And so it it took a while to to see that, well, that wasn't going to happen and and now God was working redemptively to, to to do something else that would, you know, now we can say, wow, well, this is even better. So, yeah. Well, and I've, I've described this to people that have asked me about this. And I said, it felt like a death and a divorce hmm. at the same time. It felt like a divorce with the elder board and my executive team. And it felt like a death for the congregation because it was an elder led church. And so the congregation had no say in matters of polity and things like this. And so there was no recourse for me. And it was all based upon what the elders decided to do. So that was a tough pill to swallow in this process and really forced me into a crisis of decision where, how am I going to handle this? And, you know, am I going to try to do an end around these guys and appeal to the congregation and tell them that these guys are taking action here that's unmerited? Or was I going to trust this and trust this to the Lord to work through this process? What I didn't realize is how much work he needed to do in my own heart Mm. to bring me to this place of brokenness and vulnerability and humility. That's the learning for me that has come out of that. And that's what I think has set the moorings for what is next. Yeah. And so leading with vulnerability really comes out of this this humility, this uh, healing process and uh, internally receiving and growing and, and changing. In, in just in your own, your own soul, your own life, your own relationships. Yeah, because in every conflict, there's two parties. And it's easy for us to identify the fault of the other party. Yes. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, we need help identifying our own part of that process. And when somebody is able and willing to share that with you and you're willing to embrace it, that's painful. Because then you realize that 
I was culpable in this. I had some responsibility in this. And so the awareness of that when it actually dawns on you, irregardless of how unjust you think the situation is or was, because I had plenty of feeling that this was unjust, but the Lord was very patient and over time helped me to come to a place where I could actually step out of my shame and fear and embrace what he needed to change and heal and grow in me. Yeah, which then in turn enabled you to be present and participatory in offering uh, care and uh, compassion to others uh, in the process as to how God might want to work in them for a, a deeper work of comfort and forgiveness and restoration and so forth. Yeah, honestly, this has become the greatest catalyst for spiritual growth and transformation in my life. And I think my wife will testify to that as well. We'll be talking to her in the next episode. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, so I've got to sit and be quiet while she's talking next, so that'll be interesting. Well, I so appreciate you sharing your story with our listeners, and uh, this whole topic is a huge one for us, leading with vulnerability, and we want to bring that into all of you who are listening, whatever your life context. uh, I want you to hear the words that you are a leader. Uh, If you've got a, a small group and you're helping people study God's Word or you're caring for people, that's leadership. If you're a parent and you're raising kids or you've got grown kids that you're concerned about, that's leadership. If you're serving in a church, uh, if you're working in in business and people listen to you or you do some work in partnership with others, there's leadership there. And so when we can bring a sense of, of authenticity, a sense of genuineness, a sense of, of vulnerability, that we uh, bring who we are and we're aware of our weaknesses, our hurts, our struggles, and we let that inform how we relate to people. We don't necessarily, we don't always have the context to speak about that, but just being that humble person before the Lord and who, who we're with, uh, God has something more to work with in that situation. It helps us be more tuned into other people and uh, more helpful and encouraging to them. So the most powerful leaders are wounded healers, and they, they come from a place of vulnerability. And so I want to encourage you to listen to the and watch the whole story here of the uh, Reconciling a Pastor and Elder Board. It's on our Soul Shepherding website. It's the story that we're talking about here and these podcasts with Ken Baugh and uh, Coast Hills Community Church and the conflict that they had and how God brought about a process of forgiveness and understanding and, and coming together that blessed the whole church. So we've got that story with highlights from the church service uh, on our website. And uh, if you want to contact Ken, you can do that very simply. Just do an internet search on Ken Baugh, B-A-U-G-H, Discipleship Institute. You can find him on our Soul Shepherding website. He's one of our associates uh, because Ken and Susan have a ministry together to pastors and leaders. Uh, Ken would love to talk to you and uh, hear from you. So uh, let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time, and thank you for Ken's courage to be vulnerable with us uh, in sharing his story and for blessing me uh, and Christy to be part of Ken and Susan's life and part of their story and to just see the way that your grace has worked so wonderfully in them. And just pray, Lord, for each of us who are listening, Lord, that you would help us in our own processes of uh, dealing with uh, the hurts and stress points uh, unmet needs in our lives and find uh, safe people, to find the Christ ambassador that we need for our healing and growing emotionally and spiritually 
so that we can have increased capacity, Lord, to be Christ's ambassador to others and to be concerned about how they feel and to offer empathy, to offer compassion, to resist judging others, to not be blaming, but to be able to take ownership of our part in a conflict uh, without going into to fear or shame, be able to be emotionally present with peace and joy because you love us, because there are people that know us and love us. And in this conflict, I can have the thought and the concern, how does my brother feel? How does my sister feel? And offer uh, some real concern and care, compassion. We want to be your ambassadors, Lord. That's a great way that Christ is revealed through us, even in conflict and trials. May we grow in God's grace and be strengthened that we can be those kind of people increasingly, Lord. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of you tell us that having friends listen to Soul Talks helps deepen your relationships and strengthen your love for the Lord. It's exciting to see our Soul Talks community growing. We've had over 40,000 listens in our first year. It's easy to use the share button on your podcast app or iTunes to pass on Soul Talks to your friends. Also, all of our podcast episodes are on soulshepherding.org, so you can paste the link into an email. We love hearing your comments and questions. You can connect with us on our website, on social media, or by replying to our weekly Soul Shepherding devotional email.